0: Hello, I am Katie Townley, and thank you for listening to the Ad Law Access podcast. Today, I am going to be talking about sweepstakes and contests, otherwise known as promotions. First, let's start with a, a brief introduction to state lottery and gambling laws, because these laws ultimately dictate how businesses need to structure their promotions. And those laws prohibit anyone except the state, and in some instances, nonprofit organizations, from conducting a promotion that combines three elements. And those elements are prize, which is anything of value, chance, as opposed to skill, and consideration, which is a payment, a purchase, or anything of value. All 50 states and D.C. also regulate promotions with promotion-specific laws, and those laws... Establish how you need to structure your promotion, that you need to have official rules for the promotion, and what kind of information you need to disclose in your advertising. So let's start with sweepstakes. What is a sweepstakes? A sweepstakes is a promotion in which prizes are awarded on the basis of chance. Now, thinking back to those lottery and gambling laws, because prize and chance are present, you must ensure that consideration is not required to enter the sweepstakes. And that's not to say that you cannot ask entrants to make a payment or a purchase in order to enter. But if you do, you need to also include a free method of entry. And there are two important requirements for that free method of entry. The first is that it must be given equal dignity, which means that the entrants who enter via the free method of entry must have equal chances to win as the entrants who enter via the paid or purchased method of entry. So if you limit the number of entries that an entrant can place via the free method, that same limitation needs to apply to the paid method of entry. And all of the entries need to be placed in the same prize pool from which the drawing occurs. The second criteria is that the free method of entry needs to be clearly disclosed. So you can't have two sentences explaining the free method of entry in a large paragraph deep in your rules. Um, You need to, I mean, you can prioritize the advertising the, the paid method of entry, but consumers need to be able to know from looking at your advertising that there is a free method of entry available. For sweepstakes, some registration and bonding requirements may come into play as well. And registration and bonding is required in Florida and New York if the total value of all prizes exceeds $5,000. And the amount of the bond will be based on the value of the prizes. At the end of the promotion, the business will need to file a list of the winners with those two states as well. Additionally, registration but not bonding is required in Rhode Island if the total prize pool exceeds $500 and the sponsor has retail stores in the state. So if you're an online-only business and you don't operate retail stores in Rhode Island, that requirement won't apply to you. But if you do have stores, then you'll need to consider whether it's worth registering or whether you just want to offer a prize or total prizes under $500. So now that we've Given a brief overview of sweepstakes, I'll move on to contests. A contest is a promotion in which prizes are awarded on the basis of skill. And because skill is present instead of chance, you generally are able to require that entrants make a purchase or a payment in order to enter. However, it's extremely important to remove or at least significantly reduce the effects of chance in winner selection. And different states have different tests for determining whether a promotion is skill or chance-based. Most states have adopted a predominance test under which they inquire whether skill or chance plays a greater role in determining the outcome. And other states will look at other factors, including whether there comes a point in the contest at which entrants can no longer exercise skill and chance ends up determining the final outcome. With any contest though, you'll want to establish objective judging criteria, communicate that criteria to entrants, typically in the rules, but also in any entry materials that you provide. And then you'll wanna use judges who are competent to employ that criteria. And also you'll need to make sure that judges actually use that criteria when judging. And the criteria do not have to be complicated. They can be, you know, fairly basic, like creativity, quality responsiveness to the prompt, originality, stuff like that. Um, and so in general, judging by experts is typically the safest option when conducting a contest. Public voting is very popular, but it always carries some risk and most businesses typically get more complaints than they anticipated with public voting. Voters often don't look at all entries. They just vote for their friends or their family. They can try to manipulate outcomes with bots or by creating multiple email addresses in order to vote, that sort of stuff. So one way to help reduce the risk if you're really set on using public voting in your contest is to combine it with judging so that you have a number of judges who narrow down all of the entries to a set number of finalists, and then you allow the public to vote on the finalists. It's also helpful to limit the number of votes a single person can cast to help avoid the the bot or spam issue. So one of my favorite examples of voting gone wrong involves a contest conducted by a radio station in Boston, and in that contest, they had asked entrants to create a profile on their website describing why they were Taylor Swift's biggest fan and to share that page with as many people as they could to generate votes in hopes of winning the title of Taylor Swift's greatest fan and winning a chance to meet Taylor after her show in Boston. So a 39-year-old man named Charles created a profile that read, I am a 39-year-old man, and I love Taylor Swift so much and don't care that both adults and children mock me for it, but I feel 22 if that helps. He included in his profile a particularly creepy photo of himself as well. Charles's friend saw the entry and wrote an appeal on 4chan on behalf of his creepy 39-year-old friend named Charles, encouraging people to vote for Charles on the radio's website. The 4chan and Reddit communities overwhelmingly answered the call, and their votes catapulted Charles into the number one spot. But days before the winner was set to be announced, the radio station canceled the contest. And they claim that it wasn't because of Charles's age, but rather some other contestants employing spam bots to rig the results. But we may never know. So now that we've gone over sweepstakes and contests, I'll talk a little bit about some best practices for conducting promotions. The most important thing is to have a set of official rules. Those official rules form the contract between the promotion sponsor and their entrants, and can be helpful if you receive complaints or need to otherwise enforce the requirements of the promotion against a particular entrant. And the rules should include certain provisions specifically information about the sweepstakes. How, who's eligible to participate? When does it start and end? How do you enter? what what is the prize? Um, and then, you know, are there any restrictions or limitations on the prize that would be important for the entrants to know. And what are the odds of winning. For contests, you'll also want to describe the judging criteria and consider intellectual property rights. For example, if you're conducting a photo contest or an essay contest do you want to use the the submitted entries in your advertising or even just publish them on your website for a certain period of time and you'll want to have the rights to do that it's also pr- important to include several protective provisions such as the right to cancel or modify the sweepstakes or substitute a prize or a prize component for another prize if if that prize isn't available for whatever reason. And it's also important to be able to disqualify people for tampering with the entry process or the, the promotion itself, as well as include a limitation of liability, a forum selection clause, and a release that holds the sponsor as well as any prize providers or social media platforms on which you're conducting or advertising the sweepstakes harmless. Additionally, you should require the entrants agree to the rules in order to enter, and ideally also to any privacy policy or other terms of use that, that would apply to either their use of your website or entry into this uh, sweepstakes or contest. Additionally, you'll want to include certain information in your advertising. Typically, we refer to this information as the abbreviated rules, and it includes a statement that no purchase is necessary, which is incredibly important for sweepstakes, as well as the eligibility requirements, the start and end dates of the promotion, and instructions on how to obtain a complete copy of the official rules. And when you're advertising on space-constrained platforms like Twitter, it can be difficult to add all of this information into a single tweet. So at a minimum, we'd recommend including a link to the official rules so that you know technically all of the information that the potential entrant needs to know would be accessible from that single tweet. Also, with respect to social media platforms... If you're conducting the sweepstakes on the platform or advertise, even advertising the sweepstakes on the platform, you'll want to ensure that those activities comply with the platform's rules, which may vary from requirements under state laws and regulations. And finally, I will touch on endorsements quickly. The Federal Trade Commission has determined that if you incentivize consumers to enter a sweepstakes that constitutes an endorsement. And you need to ask these individuals to disclose that their entry was incentivized. So if you are asking entrants to post a tweet talking about how much they love your product or your business, you need to also ask them to include the hashtag sweepstakes, which is intended to indicate to other non-entrants that the reason the individual posted this tweet was to receive an entry into a sweepstakes. And these requirements apply even if you it won't matter that the entrant writes something terrible about your product or your business. The idea, though, is that consumers think that perhaps saying something more positive will help them or otherwise affect their chances of winning, even though that may not be the case. So there is a very brief introduction and summary on sweepstakes and contests. If you have any other questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me to discuss. Thanks.